Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Minnesota. Kristen Lyerly in OBGYN is on the Fox River. And up on Lake Monaco is Kirk Bangstead of the Monaco Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die? Welcome to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead. I'm Kristen Lyerly. I'm Pat Kreitlow, and on the show this week, uh, we learned about the hate groups that organized around Donald Trump's tweet to come mob the Capitol on January 6th. We'll talk to Deb McGrath, who's now a candidate for Congress, but also a former CIA officer and an Army captain, to talk about fighting domestic terrorism, especially when one of the people present at the insurrection is the Republican candidate for that same congressional seat. Uh, Plus, we'll talk about other ongoing Wisconsin connections to January 6th. But first, on a much lighter note, over at Up North News, we put out a daily newsletter, and uh, we polled our readers this week on how they see summer at this point on the calendar. Because I'm always surprised at a certain thing that people say this time of year. So I wanted to gauge how people answer this question. And therefore, these three choices are going to Kirk and Kristen as well. When you see July 13th on the calendar, your thought is, A, how can summer be almost over already? B, there's still lots of time to enjoy summer. Or C, is it too soon to send the kids back to school yet? Um, Kristen, you've got uh, some, some, some kids in the area. They might be not little kids anymore, but um, you ready to get rid of them? Or what? did you answer A or B on that question? You know, you're right. Out of the three of us, I am the only one with kids and um, I love having them home. They've just gotten to the point in their lives where they are very amusing and they're good company. And the other day I walked into the kitchen and they were having an argument about the worst Supreme Court judgments ever. And I thought, yes, (laughs) it worked. All of that indoctrination. So I love having them home. I think it goes for me, it's day by day. Sometimes it feels like, oh, here we are. And pretty soon it's going to be getting cold again. And other times I'm just reveling in how it's feeling. So I, I don't know. What do you think, Kirk? Well, I am in the beer selling business and I'm in Monaco, Wisconsin. And both of those things are, we got to make money in a very short amount of time. People drink a lot of beer in the summer. They don't drink a lot of beer in January and people go to Monaco in the summer and they don't go to Monaco in January. So if out of the three, I'd have to say, let's send the kids home because I'm ready for summer to be over. It's a lot of work in the summer for me, <laughs> Pat. <laughs> I, the reason I bring it up is that every 4th of July, I hear people say, wow, summer's going by so fast. And I'm thinking, wait, summer officially just started like two weeks before. You know, I mean, we had some good late spring. So I I don't consider summer to be like, you know, almost over until we're, we're deeper into August at this point. I mean, today, for example, was a gorgeous day mm-hmm. to attend Farm Technology Days. I was out at the rail farm south of Loyal. Great to see people, you know, gathered around again after taking a couple of years off. Um, there were a lot of folks at the, uh, there was a Democratic Party booth there. There was a Republican Party booth. There were, I mean, hundreds of exhibitors uh, and it, it was just great. It was a it was a perfect day for it. It would have been a perfect day as well to go to the Northern Wisconsin State Fair, which is barely you know four miles down the road here in Chippewa Falls, but a uh, flat tire uh, somewhere between those two points did not enable that to happen. So the Northern Wisconsin State Fair is going to have to wait. But I will say, if you're how did you fix flat- your flat? How did you fix it, Pat? Uh, 
as luck would have it, it, this happened in downtown Chippewa Falls. So I was about a mile from the fairgrounds. My neighbor, Art, happened to wander by and he Art. said, let me help you with that. And my, <laughs> and my favorite service station is two blocks away. So there I am rolling this flat tire down for two blocks, <laughs> looking like something out of a little rascals movie with a hoop and a stick. We're just pushing our tire down. Um, but we eventually got that changed in an hour. Thanks to uh, the kindness of a, of a great neighbor. And well, we'll get to the fair later because for me, summer, summer still got a, a ways to go and we're going to enjoy every bit of it. So when we come back fighting domestic terrorism, especially as it gets emboldened to the point of putting candidates up on the ballot like it's doing across this nation. More about that in just a moment. You're up. Everybody's spitting it. The rhyme is hot because it's big sugar. with Freddie the Fox. When Premier bring the beach, no, it just don't stop. It's the militia. Welcome back to the Up North Podcast. Also, Kirk Bankstead's personal playlist. No, I put <laughs> I played a song that said militia. This is the January 6th hearings yesterday. We talked wish, about all the militias that were attacking our country. What what's wrong with that song, Christy? I wish that our followers could see the banter that goes back and forth as you are choosing the songs for the episodes and like all the thought that you put into it. It's really beautiful. You're an artist. Thank you. <laughs> but to the podcast, if you missed Tuesday's seventh hearing of the January 6th committee, you really have to check it out. These are such important pieces of history, and they're so necessary right now. What we learned yesterday is that America, unfortunately, has many different types of extremist groups, and they mostly operated individually, but they all came together for one cause and one man, Donald Trump when he summoned a mob to intimidate Congress on January 6th of last year. It's worth noting that from September 11th, 2001, we spent 19 years and four months focused on terrorism from Islamic groups and other outside forces. That changed for many Americans on January 6th, 2021. For some of us, including our guests, you know, it changed sooner than that. When we recognize the real danger to Americans and to American democracy, resides inside of people who have the audacity to call themselves Americans. They are motivated by hatred based on race, religion, gender, and now an over uh, desire to overturn democracy and embrace authoritarianism. It is something our next guest, Kirk, has spent most of her career fighting for beyond our borders. Yep, and uh, I wanted to introduce Deb McGrath, who is currently running as a Democratic candidate for Wisconsin's 3rd Congressional District in uh, this place. Uh, the 3rd Congressional District encompasses La Crosse, Stevens Point, and much of northwestern Wisconsin, including her home in Menominee. And she, Deb's got a great story. So urged by her father, Al Baldus, who is actually a congressman in the same 3rd Congressional District, Deb was a commissioned, she, you know, er, he urged her to go to the military. She became a commissioned officer in the army and took an oath to protect her country. And this oath was the same one that so many others in Congress broke on January 6th by trying to overturn the election. Now, after 9-11, Deb was recruited by the CIA and supported operations in a series of overseas assignments, including hardship and combat zones. After serving our nation across the globe, she came home to find our country grappling with the, many of the same struggles that she had witnessed abroad. Discord that separated communities, lack of trust in government, and threats to our democracy, particularly in regard to voting and basic rights. In my mind, given that Wisconsin and America are barely hanging on to our democracy, Deb is the perfect candidate with the perfect experience of how to lead us through this mess. 
And that's why the Monocqua Brewing Company has endorsed her. Thanks so much for enjoy for joining us, Deb. Oh, Kirk, thank you for that wonderful introduction. And I am so grateful and pleased to be a part of the Monaco family. And, and thank you for setting the stage um, because I am in this race, because I, am, I, I believe our democracy is at risk. And when I saw the attack on our capital and that it, it, that it mirrored what I had been fighting abroad, that we, that we are working abroad on abroad is stability and the ability for nations to work together. And we work with people to make sure the terrorism did not overtake those countries. And I've been in several embassies that have been attacked. And I, could, I know what it's like to be inside those buildings. And I simply could not believe that our own capital was being attacked and that Derek Van Orden, the opponent in this race who almost beat Ron Kind, was there. So I know I know we're going to be talking about him a little bit later, but someone who took this that oath and wants to represent us here was at that insurrection led by Trump. So it was that was an inflection point for me, a call to a call to action that we could not let this stand. So Deb, real quick, this is the first question. I mean, you've correct me if I'm wrong, but you've you've been there, right? At some insurrections in some of these really, you know, these tougher countries that don't really have strong democracies. I mean, you probably can't tell which countries you were in, but was the January 6th insurrection kind of, did it remind you of some of these other things that happened in other, these failed democracies? Kirk, that's exactly what I saw. It was, it was too close to home. I mean, and that's when I said, I, I have served in, yes, I can't name the countries, but I can can say the many, many places where I was in the embassy, either in the embassy and it was being attacked, or we were on the outside and I was getting people home to make sure that they were safe. Um, and then I've served in our war zones, that I can say. I've been in, I was in Afghanistan and many other of our war zones and places where terrorist threats happen. And I, I know this type of domestic terrorism. And this is something that we have been, that now, that you noted earlier, that the United States had been looking at foreign terrorism and that yes, after 9-11, it became something much more real for us that we could not ignore it. And that now, of course, we're really, it's unfolding even this, this past two weeks as we see these hearings become more and more brazen about what was being planned even from the White House. So I, I do have some you know, thoughts that domestic, domestic terrorism is now at an all time high. And we, and that, we have to regain this narrative. They're, the white supremacists, of course, are at the very heart of this. And so we have to, and absolutely the foreign adversaries are a part of this. When we talk, and Kirk, you and I talked about this, this is the Russians also who are a part of this. They want to stoke this cultural conflict and the false narrative. And they, they lay open the fact that our elections are rigged and that the government should be overthrown and that we should incite violence. And so a lot of this is not even just coming from our own country, but it's stoked by, by, by adversaries. That is so uncomfortable to hear, but I think we all know that it's true. Um, Deb, in your experience, have you dealt with militias in other countries like the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys? The way, the way that, they, that this is handled with our government is with, through, uh, through our allied relationship. And so that we support their efforts. And that and oftentimes it is through intelligence means, it's through law enforcement tools. The FBI has a part in this, certainly. And so we, what we do is engage with, with a host country 
to be able for them to be able to work on it within their own countries. And that's that's how it should be done. Each country should handle it. Now, of course, it got out of it when it became you know in Afghanistan and some other places. We became partners in that, and that is certainly in an overt sort of way. That's through our through NATO and other alliances. Yes, I have absolutely been a part of this, and I know that the threat is real, and I know the threat is here. Yeah, and it is here. So how do we stop this in America? Oh, Kristen, this is um, when when we look at this first, recognize and trying to overcome this partisan politics and opening the wound so that it can be healed. We need to have this truth. We need to have this reconciliation. And so that folks who believed it can absolutely see that those who are, they generally Americans still believe the oath. They will still believe people who take the oath. And they will be skeptical of those who plead the fifth or won't show, which I think is, you know, it's a vital part of what we're seeing right now. Um, but, but even more than this, then, we need to have overt security presence. We have fusion centers that have been a part, we've been growing these through the Department of um, DHS and state and local systems, and we need, to, we need to buttress those. And then we need to engage communities. And unfortunately, this is a lot like the violence we see in our communities. We have to see something and say something because this is not happening in a vacuum. People know this is happening within families, within communities, and we need to be able to, to help people come forward when they see this. This is going to be a long flight, a long flight, and we need new new tools for law enforcement and legal tools, and those are going to have to be legislated. Congress is going to have to be involved in this. You're so right. And before I hand it over to Pat, I just want to repeat what I heard you say earlier. We need reconciliation. We need to come together. We need to stop this partisan craziness and you know behave like the Americans, like the neighbors that we are. You're Pat. You know, it, it, that's where we need to go along with, but as well as taking on the direct threat, which, by the way, much like on the right wing, they like to lump everything into the imaginary Antifa or BLM. And in fact, there's you know many you know disparate groups out there. The same goes, and this point came up uh, repeatedly during the January 6th uh, committee hearing yesterday, that there are many different groups on the far right. Oath Keepers, Proud Boys, others like them. And again, they all typically have their own silos. You know, <laughs> think of them as you know, different, different troops. I'm not going to compare them to scouts, but different, you know, different little organizations. And it's very rare that they would all come together uh, again in that imaginary Antifa thing, you know, except that again, projection. When when the right wing says something, it's usually something they're doing. And they all came together on January 6th. And as was heard from members of different groups from different factions. It was all because Donald Trump and that tweet to come to DC will be wild uh, did that. Deb, I want to know if if that analysis we heard yesterday was in line with your experiences and what other takeaways uh, uh, did you have from what came up in yesterday's hearing? Um, Pat, this absolutely follows the threat. And even I went to the U.S. Army War College and studied conflict. And so it, you know, this is what even Clausewitz called small wars and insurrectionists. And so that this, this was a military and militia operation. And it was coordinated. It was planned. And it, was, and it, and it went through a very obvious ways of communication. 
And so that, and they used systems to hide what they were doing. And so, but it started with the seat, with, with a leader. It started with a call to action from a leader they trusted. And that is the key. So this is when we look at this and when what surprised and saddened me, my, although maybe I wasn't surprised, was that, you know, people were trying to say that Trump was manipulated by others and that this was somehow Eastman and Giuliani. And no, it was absolutely that Trump was at the very core of this and that he that he had the access to the truth that Americans did not have. And he still called this to action. And he told people have the courage to act. That that alone, you know, that 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 those fighting words, he used them again and again. So that's what was most troubling to me was that he knew he'd lost a free and fair election, and that he but he pressured state and local elections officials to overturn it. So there was also um, a testimony played back uh, uh, audio recording from uh, somebody at Twitter talking about how concerned he was about the violent rhetoric, about the threats. And the company didn't want to do anything about it because, you know, it was good for the company. So recently, um, I I want to say it was NBC, but it could have been somebody else, did a little experiment uh, and put up notes about, you know, abortion pills being for sale. And Facebook took those ads down in under a minute. So clearly their algorithms work for monitoring certain things. As a member of Congress, if elected, what would you want to see the body do about big technology companies, Facebook, Twitter, and such, that um, either say they can't possibly police everything or show that they can, in fact, do more than they're doing now? Well, when I spoke about that earlier, Pat, is that we that Congress has to be held accountable for this, too. I mean, absolutely, everyone there needs to be held accountable. You know, Derek Van Orden has lied that he was there. Um, but that the Congress needs to be held accountable to create legislation and that we need to have tools that that law enforcement is involved in this as well. That we've we've often talked about freedom of expression and absolutely that that is a right that we hold dear. But that this is now become like a, like 9-11. The threat to our democracy is as real now as it was then. And we must take responsibility for this. And those tools that I talked about, those fusion centers, it has to start at the very, very bottom. And we need to have local support to this. But it needs to, we need federal support to this. All right. So we, we don't have a ton of time, but we haven't focused enough on Derek Van Orden. So we, in yesterday in the hearings, we saw two of these guys. One was like the communications guy for the Oath Keepers. And another was simply a, a guy from Ohio who just got riled up and and you know actually was part of the mob but he was very sorry about what he had done because he had been his eyes had been opened about you know about being part of a mob uh, Derek Van Orden who is running as the Republican in the 3rd congressional district was just like that Ohio guy or he was just like the oath keepers I don't know which is he's a navy seal he's a retired navy seal which means he's got uh, you know, he's got combat training. So do you think Derek Van Orden is actually a domestic terrorist? That's, I mean, it's kind of a fiery question, but is it? I'll tell you, that he's primed for it. That if he followed the direction to go there, and he absolutely, there's, a, you know, there is one, you know, there's certainly, he isn't even taken down. He's very proud, sort of peacock. You know, I'm in Washington here for the, for the events tomorrow. 
So he was absolutely primed for it. You know, this is this is like call you know we can't call somebody you know an arsonist until they you know set something on fire. But those that he is primed for the pump, as the radical right wing agenda has set him up to do, and he is a, a parrot for Trump. He is someone who's just following the path and and doesn't have his own policies. So this is someone who it, we, is obviously a clear and present danger to our to our district. Well, he's not an arsonist necessarily, but um, the man sure does like to splash gasoline around. And <laughs> it, 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 you know, for for it, for anybody else to necessarily strike the match. And and that is the thing we don't have time to get into this, but um, you know, Ron Johnson is another one of these masters of, they don't come right out and say, you know, something they let the, the, the individual try to infer it on their own. And, and it's that kind of rhetoric from a Van Ordner or Johnson or whatever that is dangerous and where we need a different representation, the, the type that Deb McGrath would represent. Deb, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure having you and look forward to visiting again soon. Thank you. Let's all have courage. Thank you. (laughs) When we come back, Governor Evers comes right out and says it. Republicans are not willing to participate in democracy right now. That's next. You're up north. Won't you let me die? Welcome back to the Up North Podcast. This is the part of the program where we point out how Wisconsin has been a leader in the country on something and not something to be proud of. Um, That's because there's been a lot said in the January 6th committee hearings about the way former President Donald Trump and his cronies have tried to undermine the peaceful transfer of power in 2020. But here in Wisconsin, Republicans had already gone down that road two years earlier and the state Supreme Court recently, also under Republican control, reinforced the tactics that they're using. It's to the point where Governor Tony Evers, in an interview with Up North News, came just came right out and said it. GOP is anti-democracy right now. They are hostile to the peaceful transfer of power. That means they're disrespecting the will of the voters by not accepting defeat and letting the winners form the government that reflects what the voters want and uh, that's where we have a, a, an excerpt from our interview with Governor Evers. Let's hear what he told us. Think about this, Christina. I can't even get my appointees to boards approved. My appointees to boards. There, there hasn't been a peaceful transition of power in that world. I lost the Secretary of Agriculture, uh, who is eminently qualified for no apparent reason. It seems as though he annoyed somebody on the Republican side. We have nine Board of Regent members that have not been approved. It has nothing to do with my appointees. It has all to do with the Republicans not wanting to uh, participate in democracy. 
And uh, we should note that Secretary of Agriculture, who was fired by the state Senate, is Brad Paff, who is, like Deb Baldus-McGrath, another of the candidates for Congress in the 3rd Congressional District, and is also now a state senator himself. But the most glaring example of this disrespect and hostility toward democracy is embodied by Fred Pren, a former member of the State Natural Resources Board. And I emphasize former. His term expired more than a year ago, but he won't leave. He won't step down so that Evers nominee can begin serving. And as a result, Scott Walker's nominees still control the Natural Resources Board because state Senate Republicans won't hold a confirmation vote. And now the state Supreme Court has said it sees nothing wrong with that, ruling against Attorney General Josh Call in a case that he filed in Dane County Court last August. We have since learned that Pren coordinated this strategy with Scott Walker, other GOP lawmakers, and lobbyists. In short, most Wisconsin voters selected Tony Evers. They kicked out Scott Walker, but Republican legislators don't care how you voted. They continue to demonstrate this every time they talk about decertifying the 2020 election, even though there was no fraud, and they are perfectly willing to throw out your vote in the future by abolishing the State Elections Commission, for example. But let's get back to the obstruction going on right now by Pren and the other positions where appointees of Tony Evers, the sitting governor chosen by voters, haven't yet been confirmed here in the fourth year of his term, Kirk. So, so Pat, thank you for that background. We needed that to kind of set this up. What's happening in Wisconsin is not a democracy. And I wrote about that uh, uh, you know, last Sunday. We, I don't think Wisconsin can be called a democracy any longer if, if, if a governor that is duly elected can't appoint people to serve under him. Uh, so in our opening segment, we played this song ca called Human by a band with a pretty rough name, The Killers, but it's a good band. And this song said, are we human or are we dancers? And the reason I wanted to play that song is democracy only works when we have humans running it who trust each other, not dancers who perform a role given to them by their leader. In this case, it's Robin Voss and Republican Majority Leader Lemahue, who are, you know, kind of the puppet masters that are not allowing our uh, Evers appointees to go through. So anyone with a brain in Wisconsin and a heart, like, like you know, like a human, can see that squatting on a board, that overstaying your welcome is just not right. It's not what, not how our system of government has been set up. So. I spoke with a human earlier this week. <laughs> she had a, she has a heart, she has a brain, and her name is Sandra D. Nass, and she's the woman who was appointed by Evers to be on the Natural Resources Board, and she hasn't been able to assume her responsibilities on the board because this guy named Fred Prane is squatting. This woman is from Ashland. She's she's one of us up north and is an environmental consultant. She's the perfect kind of uh, she has a perfect resume to help protect Wisconsin's natural resources. Here is uh, what she wrote uh, to the she's you know she's trying to get on this board, so she didn't want to necessarily uh, be on our show. But I spoke to her and she wrote this to the uh, uh, Wisconsin Public Radio, and this is her statement. And it's it's wonderful but sad at the same time. Here we go. I'm disappointed by the Supreme Court's ruling. To date, I have not had the opportunity to serve the people of Wisconsin, and especially to represent my northern neighbors in caring for and conserving our natural resources as a member of Wisconsin's Natural Resources Board. The courtesy of a Senate confirmation hearing to debate my qualifications has yet to be extended. It's discouraging that something as important as our natural resources is subject to political games. Let's be candid. We all know the current situation is about politics. 
I'm proud that Wisconsin has long been the nation's leader in natural resources management. This is largely due to the fact that the Natural Resources Board's staggered terms were specifically designed to prevent any one party's political influence. It's disheartening that one member can degrade Wisconsin's high standards by keeping their thumb on the scale to ensure political influence is, a is enabled. This she means Fred Prane not leaving. He's his now his staying on this his staying on the board means that they have the majority. Continuing her statement, we need to return to a system that keeps politics out of our natural resources management for the good of our citizens and the resources they depend on. That was from Sandra D. Nass a couple days ago in June. It's just wild. I mean, the definition of a democracy is a system of government by the whole population. And we so do not have a representative government here. And this is just one symptom. So I looked up the Supreme Court ruling on why they chose to keep praying on the board or on the on the board. And this is what they said. The expiration of Prane's term does not create a vacancy. Just because it expired doesn't mean that there's a vacancy there. Prane lawfully retains his position on the board as a holdover. Therefore, the governor cannot make a provisional appointment. So the court found that a vacancy is only created when a person dies, resigns, or is removed for cause. Like, what's the point of a term if that's the case? It just doesn't make any sense. We have completely lost touch with common sense and reality. And as you were saying earlier, this isn't just Fred Prane. I mean, his term expired May 1st. But five of Evers' picks for State Technical College System Board are unconfirmed, with three of them unable to serve because Scott Walker appointees refused to vacate their seats, even though their terms expired last spring. And seven of the governor's nine appointees to the 18-member UW Board of Regents are unconfirmed, including four who have been serving unconfirmed for more than 20 months. This is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it just, I mean, I can't, like, why can we, why do we even talk, why, who has to talk about this to talk about how it's ridiculous? But, you know, like, like, it's just not getting enough news. Like, well, we should be hammering away on this every single day, every minute of every day that Wisconsin is just like a bass backwards. I but, don't think that's, that's a part of, swear. but that's part of Kirk White, why you wanted to start this program in the first place and why I wanted to help start up North News in the first place is that. There, there are too few media choices in terms of getting people the information they need about state government. And state government is important. It's not boring. Most people know Tony Evers' name. Uh, most people do not know Robin Voss, the Republican leader of the state assembly. Even fewer people know Devin Lemahue, the Republican majority leader of the state Senate, which does the confirmations. And Lemahue recently said about these appointments, if you go into some of the different appointments, some seem to be highly partisan and maybe not good appointments to these boards. We're definitely not going to confirm some of these appointments. That is the most milquetoast, terrible explanation for what they're doing ever. By, by saying it's political, again, that is Devin Lemieux's way of disrespecting the voters. That says a Senate, which should advise and consent, which is a ceremonial term, but they're now running roughshod over the, the ceremonial traditions, much like in Congress, they were going to run roughshod over the ceremonial tradition of counting electoral votes, actually trying to hijack the proceedings. 
Well, that didn't succeed this time in Congress, but it is succeeding right now in Wisconsin. It has been succeeding for the first three years of Evers' term, even before he took office. They came into a lame duck session, stripped away powers that they were perfectly happy with Scott Walker having, took them away from Evers, took them away from Josh Call, even before they served. Again, lawsuits were filed. And again, conservatives who lead the state Supreme Court said, I don't see any problem with this, which is why we can't just be telling people about the importance of elections for governor, but for state attorney general, know who your legislator is and the Supreme Court elections. It it bears repeating and it's going to get repeated a lot that there's a Supreme Court election next April. Patience Rogensack, conservative former chief justice, is retiring. So that conservative seat is up and they have a 4-3 majority. And if one of at least there's two progressive candidates in the race so far, and if one of them wins, it becomes a 4-3 to progressive Supreme Court. That is going to be a monster race that unfortunately, uh, voter turnout is going to be dismal next August, or next April, rather. Yeah. And so it's incumbent upon every one of us, you know, paying attention to this, to talk to people who aren't paying attention for this. And I'll, I'll so, give you one, one final example. Good friend of mine last week, um, again, not, not a, not a news junkie like, like you and me, but you know, a good, smart person and was asking me about the Senate race and the, the four main Democrats in there. And as I explained that to him, uh, it became obvious. He, he did not know that, you know, I was talking about Mandela Barnes, Sarah Godlewski, did not know them, did not know who the lieutenant governor of the state is, did not know who the state treasurer is. And again, that's not a sin, but it's a reminder that those of us who pay attention to this stuff probably get sick of saying the same things over and over again. But we have to keep reaching out to our friends and neighbors and let them know about the importance of these things, Kristen. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Without our voices, and it's you do get tired of saying it, and you feel like, well, I said it, so people have heard it. No, we have to say it over and over, and we have to explain why, and we have to listen and engage in these conversations because otherwise, people don't get out. They don't think that that one vote that they have is important. But now more than ever, our votes are important. When voting is suppressed because we can't take it to a drop box, I mean, how ridiculous is that? How much less secure as a Dropbox than my mailbox that I put my ballot in. Anybody could come by and take it out of my mailbox. I mean, the way that they have the system rigged to defy common sense and to suppress our voices is really, it it just defies understanding and makes it all that much more important, Pat, to use our voices, just what you had suggested earlier. So, Pat, when you started saying, you know, we have to focus all our attention on this uh, you know, April election for Supreme Court. I'm just like, this hits me so hard because it's like for 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 progressives in Wisconsin, it's like like gerrymandering. Finally, we can get something fair after 10 years of waiting. And then it, it was robbed from us. You know, like we have a legislature that's robbing us. We have a Supreme Court that's robbing us. We have we have a governor that can barely do anything, but he's the best hockey goalie we have. Like. We, it's like we lurch from desperate hope uh, to to being let down uh, over the last decade, and and it's and it's and and all and all of all we're looking for is fairness and a fair playing field. And I can't understand how the other side, who are normal Wisconsinites for the most part, a lot of them are. Like obviously the politicians are not so hot, but these other other Wisconsinites can't see 
that they're being that we're being cheated. And I don't understand why that doesn't get in people's craws more. And what what should get um, what shouldn't get get in their craws more this year as well. One of the things that's being covered. Uh, severely undercovered, I should say. I'm reminded of it when you said Republicans are are robbing us in this area, robbing us in this area. There is a heist going on right now that nobody's talking about, a nearly $4 billion heist. This state has a massive budget surplus for various reasons. Things, you know, there was going to be a surplus pre-COVID. Then it looked like a big deficit during COVID. The economy, of course, has come back to the point where there's, you know, inflation and other growth factors. But there is a surplus there. And Governor Evers and Democrats wanted to do something with it to help people, to help education, to help small businesses months ago. And Devin Lemahieu and Robin Voss said, nope, it's the end of February. We are done for the year. We're going to collect a paycheck for all the rest of the year, but we're not coming back into session. And as a reason, and they they said out out loud, we want to wait till next year to do something with that surplus. What they mean is they hope a Republican is in the governor's seat, and then that money is going to be the subject of a heist. It's all going to go toward tax cuts that overwhelmingly benefit the wealthiest and don't do nearly as much as they could have if it was put to work this year. And again, it is that lack of compassion, that lack of a work ethic for the things that make Wisconsin great that that are, you know, especially frustrating, you know, not just for the three of us who who've, you know, run in legislative elections, but for anybody who sees the the great needs that are still out there. There are so many people right now who need so much in the society with everything that's happening. I mean, there are so many ways that we could spend that money to benefit regular Wisconsinites and they just want to sit on it. Like you are right, Pat. They have no desire to actually serve the people who elected them. And that is the biggest travesty of this all. Yeah. And the people that don't get that money start thinking that government is terrible. And then and then they get that feedback loop by Republicans that say, don't like, let's not spend money on government through taxes. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, government sucks anyways. So they, that feedback loops that they vote again for Republicans because sure enough, government's not doing anything for them because they hold the money up. That's right. Um, now, we spent some time with Deb McGrath earlier. As I mentioned, she's one of four Democratic candidates in the 3rd Congressional District. So when we come back, we're going to play a little audio from my interviews with the other Democratic candidates as well. That's coming up next. You're up north. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and Thanks, as always, to our radio hosts, Devil Radio 92.7, The Shaw, 101.1 FM, and WAUK 540 AM. You can use their Devil Radio app to catch the show anytime. Or get the podcast version of the show from all the usual places or the show's website, upnorthpodcast.com. And if you want to see how good-looking Kirk and Pat are, we also put the video version up on the Facebook page of Kirk's Monocqua Brewing Company and on YouTube. Beauty and the Beast. And you can... <laughs> which one is which, Pat? Which one is which? Well, I, speaking for the, on behalf of the TV anchor, I'll, I'll let you two guess. <laughs> and you can find Pat's daily work over at UpNorthNewsWI.com. All right. I, I hold in my hand my absentee ballot for the August 9th primary election. We're going to talk about the primary for a bit here. And by the way, it's 
not too late yet, but time's running out. Get in touch with your clerk. If you don't want to go vote on August 9th, if you don't want to stand in line or whatever, get in touch with your clerk or go to myvote.wi.gov. Get your absentee ballot. Get it filled out. Fill it out for only one party's primary. You can only vote in one party's primary. Otherwise, your, your ballot's not going to work. So in the 3rd Congressional District, which is um, basically along most of the western edge of, of Wisconsin from St. Croix County on down, Ron Kind is re, uh, retiring. Uh, we've already talked about Derek Van Orden is going to be the Republican candidate. And there are four Democrats running for the Democratic nomination. We talked about Deb McGrath earlier. I talked to all the candidates at the state Democratic convention recently. So I'm going to race through these quick. Um, in no particular order, Mark Newman is running primarily on uh, health care, Medicare for all. So let's hear what Mark Newman had to say about that. Even though we pay twice as much as other countries per person for delivering our healthcare services to citizens of America, our outcomes are worse than other countries. And it's inefficient because, because of this large expenditure. Where is it going? It's going into profiteering instead of going into benefits. And it's cruel. We've had such a hard experience with this pandemic that it has helped us in some level, all of us, to realize that healthcare is not an individual endeavor but it's a community endeavor. That for human beings to be healthy as individuals, we have to live in a community that is also healthy. I also talked to uh, Rebecca Cook, uh, who talked about her working class roots as the reason for her running for Congress. I think that they're looking for someone that represents them, um, somebody that has stepped off the sidelines. I'm the only working class person running in this race. I grew up working class. I'm still running a small business, still running a nonprofit and a 19 county congressional campaign at the same time. And I think people are looking for someone that's walked a mile in their shoes, right? You know, as a small business owner, I rely on the exchange for my health care. Um, I'm somebody where the inflation has really affected my life and the way I run my business. And so making the kind of policy that I think impacts everyday people is really important to me and to be that kind of fighter in DC. And one more candidate, Brad Paff, we mentioned him before, uh, now a state senator uh, and has a, a has a resume that he likes to talk about and did with me as well. Here's Brad Paff. You know, people here in western and central Wisconsin, they know me. They know I've had the opportunity to work on their behalf. First with U.S. Senator Herb Cole, then with Congressman Ron Kine. Had the opportunity to spend eight years at the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and I had the opportunity to lead the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture Trade and Consumer Protection. They know that I've always put their interests first. They know that I understand their communities. I understand a rural way of life. They know that I will continue to always put their interests first. So those, uh, they along with Deb Baldus McGrath are on the ballot for the third congressional district. And, and finally, uh, it's time to play one more round of Ron Johnson said what? In an appearance on Fox News Radio today, Senator Ron Johnson was asked about women and pregnancy. Here's what he had to say. Women get pregnant. And God bless them for getting pregnant. You know, we, we need to populate our earth. I'm fully supportive of what the Supreme Court did. You know, I obviously confirmed the justices that uh, handed down that correct decision. There you go. Women get pregnant, and God bless them for getting pregnant. We need to populate our earth. It's, it's nice to have a purpose-driven life, I guess. Can I um, just sh dedicate my beer tonight to Ron Johnson? I specifically <laughs> chose it for him. I'm having a New Glarus Two Women, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Cheers to Ron Johnson. 
Just the quick, the quick uh, between all the clips we heard and Deb McGrath, and then you playing the clip with Ron Johnson. We have we have candidates for Congress in the third congressional district that could run circles around this guy in intellect, but yet he's our U he's our Wisconsin U.S. senator. It just boggles my mind. I, I have a flat tire that could run circles around uh, what what he's doing right now. <laughs> As but, everybody saw in Chippewa Falls today, yeah. running <laughs> circles with your flat tire. Exactly. Uh, with that, it's time for us to go. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Kirk. Uh, thank you to our guest, Deb Baldwin's McGrath. And uh, we look forward to seeing you back here up at the cabin next week. Oh,